This is Agents Influence Podcast. We have to understand that data technology not going to take it away, and they are going to be very important in today's digital age. But we cannot forget that it's the brands that are going to stay more human in this sea of automation that will be able to differentiate themselves and stay more relevant in the future. Because it's the humans that can turn a frustrated customer or confused customer into real fans. When someone's got a frustration, how can that brand be there for that customer? And I really do think it's that human touch which is going to play a big role side by side with the data and the technology as well. I'm Jason Cass and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Agents Influence Podcast. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, It's been a little bit of time since I've done one of these. I've been working hard on that agency intelligence, trying to bring you that real agency intelligence and not that artificial stuff that everybody else will try to tell you. But this is Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. And today, I've got somebody outside the industry. But then again, they're inside the industry because what they do and what they talk about and who they are is directly related to our industry. And so I'm really excited about having him on today. Uh, I really reached out to him and how I found uh, his name is Tarek and how we had found him, I did, was um, on LinkedIn. And he is so uh, he wrote some articles on the customer experience. And I think he was like right on. Like sometimes I was like, man, this guy stole this stuff from me, you know, because it's the way I think. And then I started chatting with him. I'm like, no, this guy like really gets it. So I wanted to bring him on to the podcast uh, so that uh, we can get to know him. So I would like to just go ahead and cut right into it. Tarek, how are you, man? Uh, yeah, I'm very good. Um, dialing in from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. But yeah, great to be on the show, Jason. Tarek, how do you how do you say your your name so I just don't butcher it? Yeah, t- Tarek. Tarek's okay. Tarek Valent. Uh, Tarek is is usually what I Tarek Valent. Okay, so just like it sounds, then. So I didn't want to butcher it because I I mean it could be Smith. I mean, and I butcher it. You know, that's just how it is, Tarek. Man, I'm I'm terrible at that. Tarek, who who are you? What do you do? What's your position? Who do you work for? So yeah, so um, I head up business development at a um, an Amsterdam-based technology company that offers a, a customer engagement uh, tool uh, to leading brands in insurance um, and beyond. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, then, Tarek, let me ask you a question here. All the listeners love to know this. Are you an iPhone or are you some type of Droid user? <laughs> I actually use an iPhone. And, and you do. To go along with it as well. What did, what, did, what did you say? You said you use an iPhone and what else? And a MacBook, a MacBook Pro to work on. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. That, that lets us get to know a little bit of who you are. And let me, let's ask you this one. What do you believe is, uh, well, let me ask you, let me, let me expand on the, the cell phone real quick. What's the last app that you downloaded? Um, wow, that's a good question. I cannot really remember. I'm actually going to open my iPhone right now. <laughs> Business, business, professional, you know, health, you know, dietary, whatever it could be. Uh, well, actually, it looked like I downloaded Slack, which is a productivity application that we use ah. in the office. Uh, so I downloaded the mobile version of Slack as well. Slack's good stuff. We use Microsoft Teams. I'm thinking about going to Slack, but uh, it's uh, a lot of a lot of people I know use Slack and 
it's uh, very easy to integrate with other things. So yeah, I like it a lot. I, I really, truly do. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think has been probably led to your success or to your company's success the most? Do you think it's been luck or do you think it's been skill? Well, in the words of Bill Gates, I guess uh, he once said in, in a famous interview a few decades ago that he likes to create his own luck. That's good. I think a lot of it is being um, in the right place at the right time. And obviously, you know, the highest form of intelligence I regard as intuition. So the more you've done and the more you've experienced, the more you build up your intuition and the more you can get yourself in the right place at the right time. There you go. That's that's good. I like that. I like that. I hear uh, in the right place at the right time a lot, but uh, to explain it that way with your intuition, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, And then uh, there's one other question I want to ask you, and this is the last one here. Do you, do you really, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Which would you say there? I like to keep things positive. I'm I'm a I'm a, gla- a glass half uh, half full kind of kind of guy. So I like to say I love to win. Uh, I love to win. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fantastic, man. Like you said, gives the listeners a glimpse into who you are because they've heard me ask those questions hundreds of times. And so uh, you did well. So take us back, man. So you tell us where you were born. Bring us forward through your life so that we can relate to you to explain to how you got to where you are now at uh, Surefly. Sure, uh, sure. Um, well, it, it's it's a complicated one, as my name would uh, would suggest. So, my uh, my mother uh, is Portuguese uh, from the north of Portugal, from a little farm village of two hundred people, uh, and my dad is Tunisian, so um, North Africa. And uh, they met in London, but grafters, uh, one can say hustlers, um, and I think that's. <laughs> kind of where my kind of uh, my hustling spirit does come from they met in london and uh, 31 years ago i was uh, i was born in london to both of them still working my mum was still working her uh, when <laughs> when i was about to when i was about to pop into the world uh, she was still on her feet working in a, in a restaurant that they uh, that they then owned together and uh, and and grew up in england uh, grew up in london yeah, you've probably already realized that from the accent. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, they they've they've realized it. That's right. But then I um I moved over to Portugal, and uh, when I was about eight, uh, to the Algarve, which is the south of Portugal, beautiful region. If you've never been before, I highly recommend it. Uh, you've got good su- you've got sun, you've got good weather, you've got good people, good food. So uh, you've got the beach. So what more can you uh, can you? That sounds like it all, baby. <laughs> it is, it is. So um, they're still based there, my parents, but um, kind of I've moved around. I went to university. Uh, so after when I was about 18, I moved back from Portugal to, to the UK uh, for university. Um, completed a master's in um, in marketing, and, uh, in, well, in business and management with a marketing speciality. During that master's, I did a dissertation, which was uh, on trust. I just became fascinated with the trust, uh, with trust, because I see it as kind of the truest form of currency in the world. Right before you love that, love that truth, the the purest form of currency. I love that. It is because if you know before all any monetary is exchanged, before any goods are exchanged, there has to be that element of trust. So during my uh, during my university years, I got fascinated by this topic. Did a dissertation on it, um, how trust can 
how trust and liking fit into business relationships was kind of the the, the main uh, ethos of the uh, of the art of the dissertation. It got like high high grades, got published. It's uh, it, it was really well received. And then uh, and then I went into the working world, um, trying to find out what what I loved. I did real estate. I went back to Portugal. Was selling real estate back in two thousand and eight when the market crashed. And Portugal was heavy hit too. So that was a it was um, it was a task. But there I found out about kind of my approach to selling. Then in in a downturn market was about you know being part of communities and being part of forums online and kind of building the building my network uh, both digitally and 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 in the presence but i saw this whole co- collision between the physical and digital worlds emerging that you needed to create a, a brand you need to create a personal identity so that's what i did um i left portugal went back to the uk i joined a startup called apigee um a p i g e e which was silicon mm. silicon valley based um but i was part of the the first team in EMEA in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, we had our office in London. So first five, and um, I helped drive that company to to an IPO and a Google acquisition, um, which was a really interesting uh, journey. And so they were it was an API management platform, mm-hmm. which uh, yeah, I was pitching ten year like eight years ago, nine years ago to financial services executives that they need to open up their APIs, um, and that was a m- mission in its own right. Mm-hmm. But um, now, hey, look, we see open APIs everywhere. We see collaboration and the need to be for uh, insurance companies, for insure techs, uh, for governments to collaborate in new ways in this open world. I then moved into customer experience, which I found uh, was something that spoke to you know that fascination with trust, but also uh, how you deal with customers. Um, I went to a platform, a company called Lithium, which did on built online communities. Um, I went then to a NPS platform, uh, so Net Promoter Score, and found out how important it is to measure. But then, um, in the words of Einstein, you can say not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that that can be counted counts. And so Wow, yeah. So then I, I understood that, you know, this engagement, this customer engagement space was really the place to be. I met our CEO here, Nicholas, in Amsterdam, um, where I moved over from London three years ago um, over some beers and bitter bowling, which is some Dutch uh, speciality that goes really good with beers. <laughs> and I met Nicholas. I loved his vision. I mean, <laughs> this chap has got a, uh, a master's in artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. and so smart, a very smart guy. But he realized that it's um, uh, he realized the huge value that us humans place in in doing things together. And it, it's not just about getting the right answers, but moving towards a shared understanding, especially when you're dealing with emotional and complex products like in insurance. So that's why we built Surfly, essentially to help people uh, to effortlessly connect and work together to quickly understand problems and explain solutions in in a personalized, easy and visual way. And over the past year, we've signed up some amazing, uh, some amazing brands across the world in insurance. You know, we work with Achmea, which is the, the leading uh, insurance group in uh, in the Netherlands. We're also working with uh, leading banks in uh, in Germany, uh, BBVA, Empire Life. 
what are you helping them do? What is I I call it I called it uh, surefly, but it's actually surefly. Is that am I saying that right? Yeah, so kind of uh, surfing, you know, surfing the web together, uh, surfly. In, yeah. Gotcha. Open to interpretation again, like my name. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. But, yeah. If a company calls you, like, what is what do you do? What are they calling you specifically for? So they want to get closer to their customers, which I think is is very important. Right. I do as well. I do as well, and so do the loyal listeners that are listening to this. And so, Howard, how does your company help that happen? Sure. So um, we provide a technology again that enables them to work together with their customers to understand. On a, it could be on a sales journey, it could be from a, a claims handling perspective, or it could even be from a, um, a an operational efficiency perspective as well so where what we do is we enable uh, you know any customer that calls in to easily connect with an agent an advisor or a broker so that you can help that customer in a more and give them a personalized experience not just on the personalized experience you can also go beyond their expectations and i think this is also um, a, a key thing in today's digital age because Expectations are very high nowadays. So how do we go beyond that? I've got a couple examples. You're really kind of clicking some stuff into my head, but what are some examples of how they can do that and go beyond expectations? Sure, sure, sure. So I always say, you know, I always ask people, uh, you know, because we can see that technology is 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 and technological disruption and fierce competition is commoditizing insurance, right? We can see that. Yes. Where you're going to differentiate it's the people. So do you ever do you ever say to yourself, oh wow, booking that Uber or booking that Airbnb was a was a great experience? You probably don't because it becomes expected from the technology. Right? It's true. Say, Very true. What you do say and what you do tell your friends is, hey, that Uber driver got me to the party in time. He was driving like a maniac through heavy New York traffic. He gave me a bottle of water. He told me all of these silly jokes. So I gave him a five-star review and I told all my friends about it. You never, you never say, oh, wow, that automation or that chatbot was, uh, was great experience because, again, it becomes expected. So what I do think is you need to find other ways to go beyond customers' experience, uh, expectations. Well, see, that's really it's really crazy because uh, customers' expectations versus the customer experience. I guess it is the same thing, but it's different because sometimes it depends on obviously the industry. But talking about the insurance industry, and not so much talking about insurance companies, but agencies, right? Which are small business, so very relatable, but um, very more close to the ground. When you when you're talking about those expectations of the customer experience, I, I like this because right now we associate that with they want to pay their bill on time. Um, so I need to be able to provide this type of service to them. And I think the agents and business owners of, of the industry, Tarek, they try to get to where they're so worried about performing and making sure that the technology is perfect. It, I think what you're saying is right on. There's, yeah, the technology does need to be perfect because it's expected, but it's not what's going to make your customer tell the world about you. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, spot on. Spot on, Jason. It's exactly what I'm, I'm saying. It's how do you, what's going to differentiate you? And it, it really isn't the technology. It really is uh, those personalized experience. And I like what you said, expectations and experience. I think it's part of the experience 
But I think being able to personalize those experiences so that you're speaking to that individual person and also the second part, which is the exceeding expectation. So, for example, our technology allows a, a claims agent or if you're handling a claims journey, someone's called in, they're frustrated, they, uh, their car has broken down, they don't know what to do. You can then, as a, using our technology, help that customer complete a claims form, um, or the agent or the broker can help that customer complete a claims form. But then what our technology also allows you to then navigate maybe to a, a partner who's in a car rental. So on that same spot, how we can help that customer by filling in a, a claims form for him when he, in, a, in, a, in a time of stress or frustration, but then also enable that agent to go and help him book out a car hire. Um, so someone, so he's got something that you know, so so his frustrations are, are are eased, right? So that car, right? So Tarek, let me let me tell you something, dude. This is so badass. Okay, so what's crazy is is a couple weeks ago, I flew to Austin to speak with an insure tech company, and it's kind of under the wraps and stuff like that, so I can't really say much more. But what was amazing about this is exactly what you are saying right now, Tarek. I mean, this is the part of the meeting that blew my mind. And I am. it is so wild that I am talking to you about customer expectations. So when you started using that word and started giving your example here of the gentleman with the claim, I'm talking to this, this head of insurance, okay? This guy was the head of insurance for this insure tech company. Tarek, you're going to love this. So in California right now, we're having these terrible wildfires. I don't know if you guys know that on the other side of the world. If you don't, it's no big deal. But in California, just these terrible wildfires. And we've been having them every year, every year, every year. Well, this insurance company told me, they said, we insure homes in California. And they said, and where we do it is, is we want to better their expectation of us. This is what he told me. And I think I think you and this guy are brothers. I'm really starting to think that, Tarek. I think I mean you guys are brothers because you guys think so much alike. And this is why why I know you're on the right path. He said when when data is connected and everything is there like it is now, and it's going to be better. But what right now we can make this happen? When a fire kicks in in California, and keep in keep in mind this guy is in another state. He says when a when a um, fire is reported or notified to the fire department in California, that instant information goes out to a system that then triggers a ton of automations inside of our business. And some of the automations that happen are, for instance, the person will get a text, their insured would get a text or an immediate email or their preferred way of contact that says, hey, there's a fire on the other side of the hill. It's going to be in your area, probably estimated with the winds because the calculation of the winds and everything and how this is burnt in the past is being told and fed out by an anal- uh, through analytics that comes out and says, it'll be here in 30 minutes. You need to prepare to leave. And also, we've already purchased um, a hotel for you at this location. Your room is going to be ready. You report, uh, log in. Here's your confirmation number. The insurance company has already set up hotel rooms across America that there's some company out there that you can buy hotel rooms at a wholesale cost. And if they use them, great. If they don't, and here what was, was amazing. They pay 20%. They'll, okay. So if they use the hotel room, They'll pay 120% to, of the cost 
if they need them. And if they don't use the hotel room, they pay 20% of the cost. So it's a block that they've already set up that immediately this whole thing kicks off to get that person. Here's another thing to take it one step further, Tark. They have contracted with an ambulance company so that if anybody needs ambulatory services, not only do they get the text saying you need to be coming to the hospital, to the hotel and we've already set it up for you, but also we have an ambulance on our way. It will be there in the next 10 minutes to evacuate you and your grandmother or somebody who may be disabled. And they have a whole load of other things that go on. But when you're talking about expectations, that's it right there, right? Is that not what we are trying to go to, Tark? Absolutely. I mean, there's no greater expectation than helping to protect a life, right? I mean, that's 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 the pinnacle, right? And that's understanding that it is people, right? And that's it's it's unbelievable. Like like when I tell this to my friends, like after I talk this, my friends are going, "Wow!" And here's what I say: This is my statement, Tark. It's how insurance should be every day. That's what I say, how insurance should be every day. And that's what I'm thinking to myself as I'm on the plane and I'm flying back from meeting with this insure tech company. And there's, I could tell you 15 other things that would just blow your mind, but we don't have time for that. But as I'm coming back, I'm looking out the window of the airplane and I'm thinking, this is how insurance should be, right? That is what I keep thinking to myself. This is how insurance should be. And it's, uh, it was phenomenal. And so here you are on the podcast talking about expectations i'm like wow that's that's like step 2 of the customer experience right cuz it's 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 weird to say it because the expectation is the customer experience but really the customer experience is the fact that you've set the expectation right it's that's almost like the chicken and the egg like which is more important or which it comes first i don't i think they just gel together yeah no can I rewind to what you just mentioned a second ago, how insurance should be every day? Go. It really stuck with me because over the past few months, you know, I was at InsureTech Connect in Vegas. What an event. Did you happen to go to that, Jason? Or wait, wait. I, I, I did not. I had another one the week before and the week after, and I couldn't go to it. I've been traveling a lot. I've been traveling all over the world for the past, for the past you know, couple of months at, at different events. InsureTech Connect was a great one. And I was at DIA, Digital Insurance Agenda in Munich, which was also amazing. And um, speaking with hundreds of insurance execs, literally in the past two months, I have literally spoken with hundreds, hundreds of insurance execs. And back to that point that you just made, Jason, on, on insurance every day, I think there's a massive transformation from what I see, uh, being on the outside, but also you know having the inside scoop, is that... Before you had this insurance product, right? Motor, home, enterprise, health, PNC, whatever. What I find, and it's part of uh, you know, our big customer here in the Netherlands, Achmea, the leading insurance group here, uh, who we're working with across all of their lines, is what they have a vision 2020, which is to get outside of that core insurance product, to move towards the prevention, but then beyond that, to move to daily challenges, right? Love it. Let's take, you know, you mentioned the home example, your home insurance, right? How can, on the first step of their vision, move into how can I secure my home against burglary? How can I, uh, you know, I had a disaster, like you mentioned, the fires, I need to secure my home. Or I, I've made res- re- renovations, how can my insurance company help me with that, Right. That's on a prevention on the prevention. Uh, so the one ahead of the home insurance product, that's a prevention. But then also then the daily challenges. So 
I'm renting, I'm sharing. How can uh, how can my insurance co- uh, company help me with that? Or I, yes. I'm moving house. I need help with that. Or I'm looking for a new place. Or I want to save money on my energy bills. How can my insurance company help me with, that, with those kind of questions? Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. Right. So this company, so this company as well, like I said, there's many other things. They send you a sensor kit as part of the policy. Like it's part of the policy. And you put these sensors around your house and, on, and you can click one onto your, onto your water. So it'll tell if you have a leak. It can tell humidity. It can tell fire. It can tell smoke. I mean, it tells all these different types of things about your house, which I think goes on to that, right? It also goes into burglary. I mean, so if someone breaks into your house and these sensors take like less than five minutes to set up all of them across your house and you get a discount and it's just part of the policy. It's ridiculous the way that they're thinking out there, man. It's ridiculous. Travers just hooked up with Alexa, you know, or, or Amazon. Um, so it's right down the pipe what you're talking about, Tariq. Yeah, and 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 they need to, right? Because again, in my time in Apogee, this company that I helped drive to 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 IPO and Google acquisition, this company was doing an API management platform, and I, I did. Uh, I helped on the telco uh, telco space for some time, and what you saw in the telco space was you had the big telcos going about business as usual, selling minutes and selling text messages to their customers, right? And then out of nowhere, you had these speedboats come up, Skype and WhatsApp, and all of these little players coming up, and. The telcos kind of they uh, they they got bit hard, you know. They got they they got bit in the backside a bit hard because they didn't act quick enough to these smaller players who were quicker, who were more nimble, who um, who saw how the future would be. And so I think this is why we're seeing this transformation and this massive disruption right now in in, in insurance is because they really don't want to have the same fate as what happened to the telcos, right? They fell asleep. Well, and what's so funny, and that's a great that's a great example, Tarek, but like we have been known to be the slowest industry out there. Now, I imagine there's others out there, but like what's amazing, Tarek, is, is in 2010, 
this thing's been stagnant snail pace the whole time. And then it's finally got to the point where, you know, we had these exennials, not millennials, the exennials that started to come in that said, hey, there is a better way. These millennials are not wrong in their thinking and their expectations and their and the things that they desire. And but the older generation didn't get it. And as those exennials, me started getting older, then these millennials who were coming through and listening to people like me and Ryan Hanley and Brent Kelly and some of these other big names in the industry, now they've come through saying, yeah, this is great. And they're the ones really pushing the envelope. But a lot of these guys just have been in business in the last six to eight years. I've been in the business for 18 years. So I can literally say, Tarek, for the first 10 years of my career, it was slow. I mean, we were so outdated, you know, and we really, really Truthfully, as an industry, independent side, the independent insurance agency, I would still say 80% of them don't have a management system. They still, their main form and only form of communication is going to be the telephone. They do not have electronic signatures. They don't believe in giving their, their clients mobile apps. They don't believe in allowing their clients to be able to pay after hours because they feel as if it cuts them out. That's the sad part, Tarek. That's the sad part. And and it's like the, uh, what is it? Um, oh my gosh, I talk about it all the time. Digital Darwinism. Digital Darwinism says, you know, that when society and technology change faster than your ability to adapt, you're going to have problems. And and I feel sorry for you because here's the deal. Here's the thing, Tarek. Like these these agents who have been around for 30 years in the in America, they were told when the fax machine came around in the 80s that it was going to eliminate their job and it didn't. Then when email came along in the 90s, they were told it was going to eliminate their job and it didn't. And then when this came along, the internet came along, they were told you know, in the early 2000s, this is going to eliminate your job and it didn't. And so as we now say, oh, this social and this digital transformation and all this stuff that's going on, if you don't, if you don't adapt, it's going to put you out of business. So I can feel that older generation, right? They've heard this song and dance so many times. The thing they don't realize is it's like the boy who cried wolf. He cried wolf two or three times, but eventually the wolf really came, right? That's the story. The wolf really came at the end and ate the sheep. Yeah, you're not, you're and like, so that's that important to look at. Yeah, no, no, I really, really like that, Jason. And and, and it is, I mean, as as humans, we, uh, we're complacent. <laughs> you know, we can get complacent, but I think this... Um, you know, you said digital Darwinism. I love that term too. Uh, one that I used to always talk about too. But you know, you have this digital tsunami as well coming through at such a pace that if you know, they, there is coming that time. The, the wolf is the wolf is knocking or briefing down the chimney, right? <laughs> <laughs> the wolf is the wolf is breathing breathing down the chimney, and 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 I think. People are slowly starting to, uh, people in insurance and execs, they're, they're starting to see it. You know, you see more and more that the digital agenda is being pushed from the top. If you look at three, a few years ago, it was just like, it could be just a middle management or or, or some young intern or an exennial, as you say, a millennial trying to change things. But now you're seeing the digital agenda being, being taken by the helms, uh, by the execs, by the executive board. And I think more of that is needed in order to let that let the people know that that wolf is here and if we don't do anything about it we're going to we're not going to have a job tomorrow that's right that's right and uh 
Yeah. So it, it's, it's once again, it's, it's this constant battle, but those who wake up, I'm delivering this keynote presentation at uh, innovation. It's a, it's a large thing here in Vegas, uh, in, uh, in, in January. And I'm, and I, when I wrote the book, customer service is just foreplay. It's the modern customer experience that will separate you. No one was using the word customer experience. No one was using that word to it. And, and this is 2013, 2014. And then now everybody uses that word. And so the, of customer experience, and I believe the next phrase, I can't tell it to you, Tarek, because I, I would, I would blow my presentation. I believe there's another phrase that we're going to use and it will be, you will start hearing it a lot, especially in four to five years because, but I really like, you've really kind of reset my mind on something that I really like this customer expectation because, you know, you hear something once and you go, wow, but you hear something twice and you go, hey, I may need to start paying attention, right? And you're the second time I've heard somebody in the last two weeks talk about this expectation. And I have to think, even though the way my brain works, I don't think of that as being a major, I've never really thought of that being a part of the process, but it absolutely is. And you've really kind of joggled me there a little bit. So I really like that. I really do appreciate that. So where do you see, I mean, we know where it's going and we see some stuff. I mean, how does AI technology, um, artificial intelligence cut into this? Because you said, Nicholas, you're your founder, owner. He's got a master's in that. I didn't even know you could get a master's in artificial intelligence. So, I mean, what are some of the wild, crazy things you hear him talking about that, you know, that really excite you and blow your mind as to things that we may not be thinking about today, but are definitely going to probably happen. Well, you see, that, that's the thing. We don't speak about that much because it's, it's different to our story. I mean, he had this, uh, th- this realization that, um, you know, it's not just about getting the right answer, answers, but moving towards shared understanding. And uh, so, so our product helps is more kind of human to human interactions and how we can make them more personalized and how we can help exceed the customer's expectations through the human factor. But there's so much, there's so many things in AI that's happening around data. I mean, some of the things that you touched on with the, around the home and sensors there, we can talk about the cars and driverless vehicles, which is going to be really shake up the things and really shake up motor, the motor space. And then I also see uh, my uh, my girlfriend's a doctor, so you know she's always coming up to me with these new new technologies and the uses of AIs. How how AI can help help the human make better decisions, right? So I think I think for for me as um, an advocate for more human technology, I think it's important that we use AI responsibly and how they can, ha- they can help us make more uh, better decisions. Let me, let me say something real quick here, Tarek. You've said this twice now and I, didn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember it in order to write it down, but you just said it again and I love it. You say it's not about the right answer, but it's about shared understanding. Could you expound, could you expound on that? Because I really like that and I think that's so rich and deep I don't know if the loyal listeners are catching all that. Does do, could you define that a little bit further? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what are you selling with insurance? What are you selling? You're se- you're selling peace of mind. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's take that step back and let's look at it from from that angle. Now, if you're selling peace of mind, and a chatbot is uh, you're dealing with a chatbot and you're buying the life insurance, for example, life insurance, which is very important, chatbot, and it's just giving you right answers. 
because they're the right answers, it doesn't mean that you understand, which doesn't, which doesn't mean you necessarily understand, which doesn't ne- mean that you necessarily um, have a peace of mind, if you get my drift. Yeah, I do. I'm following you. What is important is that you can let that customer really understand um, what it is about that policy, what's being covered, how, you know, what is it that um, making sure that they can, you can get them in that state where that life insurance they're buying, they're safe with it and they're safe with the decision and they actually can say, I, I, I'm not going to worry about my life anymore because, well, of course, I still do have to, but my insurance is covering me there so I can sleep better at night. That's right. Now, if you're dealing with, you know, just a chatbot, if you're dealing with um, just automated or correct answers just being thrown at you, it doesn't necessarily mean you understand or it doesn't mean that there's a shared understanding between the brand or the broker and their customer. Okay. I think, I, I think I'm following you here. So, Okay, that you've got my mind going on a couple different different ways here. So I'm trying to trying to piece this together. I do I do like what you're saying here. So there is that. You know, it's almost about to simplify it, not really, but kind of in my mind. We talk about a lot as agents and as companies about the what of insurance, but we don't talk about the why. Now I'm not gonna steal Simon Sinek's thing because that's beautiful, but it's overplayed and we all hear that now. But I don't think we're taking it to insurance at that level. We always want to say, okay, well, you have bodily injury limits or your house is covered for this much. Um, do you think that is enough? And uh, oh, you do or whatever. We're telling them the what. We're telling them what's in the policy. But we're not telling them that why, right? We're not telling them that, yeah, your house is covered for this much, uh, for $260,000. No, we insured your house at this cost because what we have found out is in the future, whenever you have a claim, it's a lot higher than you would normally think. It actually is higher than what you assess your a value of it to be because it costs more to replace things. The value of things go up when that major hurricane or that major tornado comes through that takes out 50 houses. That now is a shared understanding of why this cost is this much, not your house is this much because that's what the insurance company said. Spot on. And you guys are the experts, right? The insurer, the advisors, the brokers, you know how it is. You know how it's done. But I think it's that explaining part. It's, it's letting the customer know. And because you know, sometimes even I fall into this trap. What I find is common knowledge to me isn't necessarily common knowledge to somebody else. That's right. Right? Now, Tarek, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I, I'm a geek like this, Tarek. I drink wine, and sometimes I, I like to think I'm in Amsterdam. Ha <laughs> ha. So the the thing is, is that because in America we can't we can't do everything you can do there in Amsterdam. But and so the, so so the thing is, is that you think to yourself sometimes about the common sense. Like this is us in America, okay? So I don't know how it is across the pond there, but what I do know is that. In 1981, we had this show called Dallas, okay? Not just Dallas, Texas. It was a show. It was a very famous show. And it actually was the number one highest rating uh, show ever. And more people watched that show than any other broadcast that's been played since. Except for in 1983, the show MASH, which was another show, um, they came to its last season finale. And there was more people that watched that show and the Dallas show then still to this day, even though there's more people watching more shows, 
The reason is, is because around 83, 84 is when we had cable um, television come out to where now instead of having three or four channels, you had 30 channels. And then in the 90s, you had 170 channels. And now we have so many channels, no one ever watches, you know, but three or four channels that were that were given. And then we have social media and then we have Facebook. And I have to admit, I get a lot of my news from Facebook because I'm searching through, I see articles, I click on it. A lot of people think they get their news from CNN. No, CNN puts their news on Facebook and that's where you're getting it from. Some people don't get on Facebook. They just get their news from Snapchat. Some of it gets just get from Twitter because they like following Trump. You know, a lot of different things are happening. So that's why when I talk about something that I, that I feel is common sense to me, it can't be common sense to everybody else because they didn't get it from the same, from the same, they didn't drink all from the same fountain, right? So I can't compare that water to the other water because this is the fountain I drank from. And I would have loved Tarek in a way to live before that. It would have been so cool to live in the 80s prior just for this regard, not for everything else. I like where I live today, but how cool would it have been if you, any store you walk into, any person, any restaurant you would walk into, any business, any, you would go to your friends on Friday's night and you would have some beers and you would all sit around and you all were talking about the same thing. Because you all, now it doesn't mean you all thought the same way, but it was kind of like, hey, what do you think about so-and-so or what do you think about this thing happening to our country? And everybody knew about it. Today, you can go to a party and like there was a huge shooting that killed 12 people and you'll say something to one of your friends three days later, you'll be like, man, that shooting in California was terrible. And he'll look at you and go, there was a shooting in California? And you think to yourself like, where have you been? Yes. But then again, you have to think to yourself, like, they don't hang out in those same avenue or those same areas, you know? That's why it's not very common anymore. What do you think? I'm gonna wrap that all around to what I how I started on the trust on the trust point, right? Yeah. And so what I think uh, automation is doing to society, what I think there is, what the excess in media channels, whatever you say, social networks, TV channels, whatever. I think it erodes trust, and here's why. Because if two people believe in the same story, they could be thousands of miles apart. They could be complete strangers, right? We could be complete strangers, but if we can believe in that same story, we will have to, we'll still have a sense that we can trust each other. And so what's happening, and then to loop that right in with what you're saying, I think we're just living in in a time where we're overdosing on information, right? There's too much information there, which makes stories blurred, which also erodes the trust because the stories is what counts. The stories is what makes us stick to each other, what makes us trust each other, what makes us work together and, and, and build great products, great tools, get great companies, whatever. So I think that's a really key point in in this wow. this age that we live in. You know, it's- that that's good stuff because we sometimes think that the more angles we can get at something, the better understanding we can get. But as you're sh- saying, the more we share different stories, it erodes the trust because we don't feel as if we think the same way about something or not the same way, but like 
we all went to that same water fountain, right? And we all had our own taste of how that water fountain was. But at the end of the day, it was still all the same water we were trying to test. I, I'm t- I, today, I'm really big on these analogies, Tarek. I don't know where they're coming from, but that's that's what I'm doing today. I got the I got the wolf story. Now we got fountains. I don't know. I don't know. Take it for what it is, man. <laughs> no, no, I like it. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so Tarek, yeah, anything you want to wrap this up with? I think we've had some great conversation. I, inc- I encourage everybody to go to Tarek's uh, LinkedIn uh, profile because Tarek, I have to tell you, you do a really good job. Like when I, I love your, I love your opening here. A lot of time it's like mine. It's all boring. Like this is what I do. But I mean, I love how you put your interests, uh, your interests, uh, your interests, your knowledge, uh, you know, your purpose. I love this. I would love to talk to you more about this. We're going to do another podcast because you've got customer retention. You talk about big data, which I think the future of any industry is data, people, and process. I think there's no more important thing that could possibly happen. It's going to take data and it's going to take the right people to create the right processes to be able to, when the fire starts in California, that you can create all these automation processes to take care, preventive measures and proactive measures with our clients. And so I think big data is huge. I love you're talking about APIs, like everything you're talking about there, internet of things. I sit there and geek out with you. What we need to do is, dude, whenever you come to America next time, you need to let me know um, so that we can get together, have some dinner because we could literally sit around and have a lot of cocktails and a lot of steaks uh, and sit around and talk about this, man. We've just, we've just launched a very big uh, insurance customer uh, insurance carrier in California. I can't, I can't reveal a name, but we've just launched them and they're really excited and we're rolling out through the group. Um, so hopefully, hopefully the time will come soon, Jason. What do they, what do they talk? What do they uh, sell? Um, it's car, it's car insurance. Car insurance. Okay. No, fantastic, man. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure, uh, with you guys at the helm, they're going to be awesome. And, and, uh, I'm really big right now. I just got back from this, this thing. It was, it's really crazy. Um, Tarek, how, you and I have been trying to do this for a couple months and then finally we got it done and and how the things that you're talking about expectations merged and I'm reading one of your tips uh one of your things last night when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and it says the top tip is we are we are what we repeatedly do and excess is there excellence is therefore uh, not an act but a habit and it was really crazy because I had another guy Billy Williams explain to us about something he said do you know what your comfort zone is when I was at this thing the last two days and I, and he said, your comfort zone is nothing but the habits that you've created. So in other words, if you want to create and you move your comfort zone, you have to change your habits. And then Aristotle knew this obviously back way in the day, because he's the one who said the quote that I read from you. And so it's so funny that nothing under the sun is new, right? It's just all about the way that you perceive it and how you can understand and comprehend it in today's world versus their world that they were part of. Nah. Anything to wrap it up with, Tariq? Yeah, so I mean, you know, the thing I'm, I'd like to, um, I'd like to wrap it up, I'd say, you know, it's, it's how, can we, how can we transform the industry with empathy? You know, how can we transform insurance with empathy? I've got a good article on that. It's on my LinkedIn profile. I can send it to you if you're going to send out the newsletter. But it's all about... You know, we have to understand that data, technology, not going to take it away. I like your analogy with the data and processes. It makes sense. And they are going to be very important in today's digital age. But we, we, we cannot forget that it's the brands that are going to stay uh, more human in this sea of automation that will be able to differentiate themselves and stay more relevant in future. I really do believe so. Because we need to understand that they can, it's the humans that can turn a frustrated customer or confused customer into real fans. And again, 
in order for insurance brands or advisors or agencies to um, to do this, they can't box up their agents and advisors within their own universe. They need to let them go beyond those expectations in order to, to create strong moments of truth uh, when someone's you know, got a frustration or when someone's um, feeling good, how can that brand be there for that customer? And I really do think though it's it's that human touch which is going to also play a big role side by side with the data uh, and, and the technology as well. Yeah, I'm reading that actually. I see you've got a YouTube a thing out there as well, sure, simple. But also I was reading your thing here on LinkedIn here that you were just saying about uh, transform insurance with empathy. Uh, that's that's that, that that's good stuff. I like that very much. So, Tarek, we're, this will be. Uh, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship, as they say. So, I look forward to it. If you come to America, I don't care where you're going to. Say, Cass, are you going to be there or somewhere around? And if you're close, I'll fly to you. We got a lot of things that we got to cover because it's going to take people like me and you working together. And as as my boy Tarek says here, it's not about the right answer, but it's about shared understanding. That's what I'm talking about right there, Tarek. Tarek, thanks for coming on, man. And I greatly appreciate you, man. I really appreciate the chat too, Cass. I'll, uh, I'll definitely hit you up when I'm, uh, I'm, I'm over across the pond. Okay. And the thing is, is you have to, uh, uh, when this comes out, I'll send you a link so you'll get it and you'll know, and then you can shoot it across the world and uh, continue agents influence being international, baby. Perfect. All right. Man. Jason, take it easy, my man. Pleasure talking. You too, man. You too. Well, this has been Jason Cass. Uh, been meeting here with Tarek uh, Valente of Surfly. I've got to. I've got to remember like how to like pronounce all these names. And and as you loyal listeners know, I'm absolutely terrible at that. So I think I did a pretty good job. But this has been Agents Influence Podcast. So remember to tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. And we are out.